Okay, Rabotai, welcome everyone to another Wednesday night uh, shiur. Rabotai, tonight is a uh, very special night because first of all, I see a lot of new faces and that makes me happy, right? Love the, uh, the word spreading and spreading and spreading and spread it again and again and again and more and more and more. Hashem, every Wednesday night over here, Derech Torah Center, 2013 East 13th Street between T and U, right? Nine o'clock, a crazy dinner like you see. You have the burgers, Chinese, everything we have over here, right? And, then, and of course, um, uh, followed by uh, Shi'ur. Tonight, Shi'ur is dedicated for a special, special, special night, special day, and that is Shavuot. And that is Shavuot. I like to start off, of course, like we always do, that every lesson, Baruch Hashem, we take it for a lifelong lesson that we take with us. And that is, there's a rabbi named Rabbi Yosef. And Rabbi Yosef went ahead and told his wife, Rebeto, his wife and his children, for Shavuot, for this special day, make sure you get me the top, 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 top meat. There's a special meat, Igla Shilsha it's called, which is the first three months of a baby, a lamb, let's say. It's so tender, it's so soft, it's so, it's so good. Make sure you prepare me the best meat. And today, I actually saw in one of the Svarim that it says on Shavuot, when you're eating, make sure you enjoy your food more than any other day. Make sure when you're eating on Shavuot, enjoy it. And I actually was seeing some people, they, they brought down when a person eats his food, his digestive system will, his digestive system will take a, a effect, a change, if his emotions in the food is different. For example, let's say a person's uh, sad and depressed and down. And then he starts eating. Oh, I had a imagine a guy says, "I had a miserable day," and then he eats his uh, uh, dinner or he eats his lunch or his breakfast. I had a miserable morning. I had a miserable. And he eats. That could affect the way he digests his food. Yes, fact. It could affect it. So therefore, a person, he writes, a person has to be very careful the way he eats as well. What you eat, it's not just what you eat. It's how you eat what you eat. Like that one, David, no? Ah, oh, that's beautiful. It's not only what you eat. Very good, David. It's not only what you eat. It's how you eat what you eat. And like David's saying, make sure you digest. Probably eat slowly. Have, you, your emotions should be where, oh, I'm eating, and, and you're feeling happy. You're not just feeling it. And it's brought down, especially on the day of Shavuot, when a person's eating his meal, he has to put in what he's eating. You know, I know people, when they eat, they, they, they feel the crunch of the food, which is great. They feel the crunch. He's eating a banana. He feels the mush going down his teeth. Ah, you know, ah, that mush. He feels it in his mind. And he's thinking, wow, Hashem, what what'd you make today? I opened up a banana myself. Feel the outside peel of the banana. I don't know, do they do anything with the outside peel of the banana or no? Do they make anything with it? It's a fa fantastic uh, uh, item. Try to feel it. You feel it. It's like, it feels amazing. So you eat the banana, you feel it. You feel going down your system. You throw you, you. It's a different system. Bottom line is, be very, very happy, especially on Shavuot, as you're eating. Why? 
Because what do you think? Why? Because that was the day we became a nation through the Torah. That was the day that we became a nation. When did we become a nation? When we got the Torah. When we got the Torah, we completed being Hashem's children. Yeah? Everybody's clear with that, right? So now the question is, why did Rav Yosef want such special, special, special food on the day of Shavuot? Anybody can answer me? Boys, to honor, to, honor to honor the Torah, correct? It's very simple. But, but, I'd like to present to you with a question and an answer. He, he says himself, he says, you know why I'm making such a meal on Shavuot? Because if it wasn't for this day, how many Yosefs would be in the streets? There's a million Joes. There's a million Jacks, there's a million uh, Rachels, there's a million uh, Debras, there's a, mil there's a million of people, right? There's a, t a lot of Teddies out there, a lot of Alberts out there. Ah, uh, Mike's a lot of Mike's. What, another Mike, what makes, what makes me different than anybody else? Why are you more special than anybody else? You know what he's answering? He's answering because this day Shavuot, the Torah. The Torah made me a different, a different being than everybody else. I'm different because I have the Torah. This is the day. But the question is, what do you mean? And that's the happiest day? I have a question for you. Right? My question to you is, listen, it shouldn't be the day that he received the Torah. It should be the day that he learned the Torah. Just because you have the Torah doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're so special. You have the Torah, but it's what you do with the Torah that's going to make you special. So why is he celebrating because of that? He should be celebrating every day, the time where he finished the whole Torah of Yosef. He should make a part. This is the happiest day in the world. You know why? Because this is the day I finished learning. I know it. I know it. Good. That's the day. Why are you making it Shavuot? Everybody hears the question? It should be the day that I finished learning the whole Torah. Wow, imagine. Imagine I finished learning. Imagine I tell you, Rabbi Otay, I'm inviting everybody for Sima Shas. I finished the whole Torah, the whole Shishas and Dmin uh, That's the day where I'll always have my anniversary, and I'll always celebrate that day of my anniversary, finishing the whole Shas. That's what I would do. So why is Rabbi Yosef doing it the day when we got the Torah? It was a birthday. It was a birthday. It, was, it should be the day that he finished the Torah. He finished, he finished the Torah on Shavuot? Of Yosef. I understand. I understand. But, but, but Yosef is saying the reason why I'm making a party this day, that I'm making such a special meal, because there'll be a million, if it wasn't for this day, there'll be a million Joe Schmoes. But being the fact that this is a special day, I should make a, the happiest day should be when I finish the Torah. Not when I start, when I get the Torah. You hear, you hear what I'm going through a little bit? Uh, after, after you hear the answer, Mars, Mars. After you hear, calm down. After you hear the answer, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay? You'll understand. Just bear with me. There's a story in Yerushalmi Ta'anit. How big was the Luchot? How big was the Luchot? Anybody know? How big? How, how, how big was it? This big, that big, that big, how big? There you go, exactly. Six Tfachim. Six Tfachim. Which is, six Tfachim would be like this, right? Six Tfachim. Every Tfachim is like this. So imagine six of these. One, two, three, six. 
So it says in the Yerushalmi that Hashem is giving the Torah to Moshe. And as he's giving the Torah to Moshe, Moshe has two hands on a third of the Luchot. Hashem has the other third. And the middle, nobody's grabbing. But there's a problem. Because Bnei Yisrael was doing the Chet Egel. The Chet Egel, everybody knows, the, the sin of the golden calf, the Avodah Zarah. Once Hashem saw that, He started pulling away from Moshe the Luchot. He starts pulling away from Moshe the Luchot. Hashem's pulling away, pulling away, pulling away, pulling away. What does Moshe do? Moshe pulled away so strong that he was able to get it, and Hashem says, wow, I'm proud of Moshe. But this, is, this needs big explanation. Hashem is pulling away the Torah from Moshe, and Moshe pulls stronger, and he wins in a sense where Hashem says to Moshe, Moshe, I'm proud of you. Like, what, what's going on over here? What is going, what's the depth of the story? To answer this question, I'd like to go further on with another story that everybody knows. What's that story? Hashem is going from the nation to nation to nation to nation to nation to nation. You want the Torah? What is it saying? Don't kill. Oh, sorry. Uh, we can't take that. I, I always kill. No, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Okay, next nation. What do you do? No, no, no steal. Oh, no steal. My whole business is on stealing. You tell me no steal. I, I, I can't take this. Are you kidding me? No. They finally they go to the Jewish people, and what do they say? Whatever it says in it, we're going to do. But you don't know what it says in it. I don't care what it says in it. I don't care what it says in it. Whatever it says in it, we're going to do. And guess what? There was a heavenly voice that came out after we said and said the following. Who revealed the secret? Who revealed the secret? Well, what's the secret? What's the secret? Who revealed the secret? This is a big thing. What was it? Even the angels in Shemayim, they're ready with Hashem. Everything that Hashem is going to say, they're going to do. They don't know what, they don't know what they're going to be told to do. But whatever they're going to be told to do, even the angels up there, they're going to do. Now, what is the secret that B'nai Yisrael has exactly? Let me explain. Through a story of, you ever hear of Chaim Shmuel Levitz? You ever hear of Chaim Shmuel Levitz? Now, Chaim Shmuel Levitz was Rashiva Mir Yeshiva. And he had an uncle when he was a bacher, yeshiva bacher, when he was a young boy. He had a bacher, and he went to uh, Navardic once in a while. The Rosh Hashiva was his uncle, Rav Avram Yafin. And one time, he traveled there. He asked the rabbi, Rav Avram Yafin, tell me, who is the best guy in the whole place? Who is the best guy in the whole yeshiva? So he says, you see that guy in the corner? He, he's the biggest lambin. He knows how to crack his head. You, you could tell him something. He could wheel and deal one point for, for a long, long time to figure out the whole piece to, to clarity. Also, he's the best guy? He says, no. He says, you see that guy in the middle over there? He said, yeah, what about him? The guy doesn't stop running. Wow. So he's the best guy? He said, no. 
So tell me, my dear uncle, who's the best guy? He said, that guy right there. And he says, what does he have that's so special that makes him the best guy? And he said, one word. He is a mevakish. What does it mean he is a mevakish? Oh, what does that mean? He's always wants to continue growing. He's never satisfied with what he has. Now, you, you tell me, Rabbi, don't, don't, don't say, huh, you always have to be happy with what you have. Rabbi, in spirituality, we cannot stop at a certain point. We got to always keep on going more and more, weiter and weiter. Weiter and weiter. Go more and more and more and more and more and more. He said, you see, this guy could be after he finished his point. That's it. He's happy. Wow. I, I finished it. Great. I, I, I did the sudya. I finished the message. I'm very happy. Then you have another guy that wants to do more. I want 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 to do more. He says, this guy will always be the best. And guess what? You know who this person was? You know Rav Chaim Kenievsky? Rav Chaim Kenievsky's father, the stipler. That was him. He was always wanted to grow. Let me grow, let me grow, let me grow, let me grow, let me grow. Some people, they come out of Shi'ur. They, oh, great. I went to, I went to one Shi'ur today. Great. I'm, I'm, do, I'm good for the week. I'm good for the month, Rabbi. Forget the week. I'm good for the month. Oh, I forget the month. I'm good for the year. You, you have those type of people where they're satisfied. Rabbi, at least I'm doing something. At least I'm, you're right. You're right. You should be happy. However, Besides just being happy, you got to continue. How I'm going to continue? How are you going to continue? And you know how it starts? With one thing. That's a she'ifah. What's a she'ifah? And we said this once before. It's, 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 it's that you have a goal. Aspiration. Now, how do you have that aspiration? Rabotai, Moshe Rabbeinu is going up to get the Torah. As he's going up to get the Torah... The angels stop him. What's the ta'ana? So Chavadiyah Yosef says, one of the things the angels said was, there's a halakha in the Torah. What's the halakha in the Torah? It says over there that there's something called bar mitzvah. What's bar mitzvah? What is bar mitzvah? If a person owns a property, and right next door is his neighbor, and his neighbor is selling his house, what's the halakha? Who gets the first rights to buy that property? The neighbor gets the first rights. The owner of that house... He's selling it for $2 million. Go to the neighbor and say, listen, I'm selling my house for $2 million. You want it? Yes. Okay, here. But if he goes ahead and sells it to somebody else for $2 million, the neighbor could say, I have a claim. You, I could take it to Bedin. You never came to me to offer me the house first. You should have offered me. I would have bought it for that price. And guess what? Bedin will come and, and get involved. Say, you know what? You're right. Switch it off. He owns the house. <coughs> Everybody hears that? Allah Yeah. Everybody hears that halakha? Uh, okay, okay. Everybody hears that halakha though, right? You got it? So now, now, the angel said, where's the Torah? In Shamaim, correct? Yes or no? Who's closest to the Torah? The angels, yeah? So the angel says, Moshe, you don't deserve the Torah. We get it first. We get the first dibs. Why? Because we're closer. We're closer. You can't go against the Torah. So you know what? Moshe Rabbeinu answered back. Moshe answered back with another halakha. 
what happens, what happens if you sell your house to the neighbor? After you sold your house to the neighbor, your own son comes uh, one day, comes home, and uh, your son tells you, Dad, how you doing? He says, I'm doing great. He says, what happened? I just sold the house. I, I sold it for $2 million. To who? To the neighbor. He says, what do you mean, Daddy? I wanted to buy it. I wanted to buy it. Dad, my I was on the house the whole entire time, by the way. I was just waiting when you were going to pick up, go move to Florida and stuff like that. I was going to buy that house. I would have bought it off you. How would you sell it to the neighbor? So now, does the son have rights to the house before the neighbor? Yes or no? So, yeah, but can he go to Bedin to say a claim? Listen, yes? What do you say? What do you say? He says he's a closer neighbor. And therefore, being the fact that it's his own son that wanted to buy the house, guess what? The, reverse the sale, and, 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 and the son gets priority. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu tells the angels, you're right, you're closer to the Torah. But what does the Torah say? The Jewish people are Hashem's children. So if they're Hashem's children, who takes precedence? The children. Even though you're a closer neighbor. You understand how it went? You understand the Cheshbon? Aye. But what? Now, the question is, how do you become a good son? If we're sons of Hashem, how do we become a good son. You know what the answer is? Very simple. Very simple. I'll tell you like this. Imagine you had a friend, right? How do you know if you have a good friend or not a good friend? How do you know if your friend is awesome? Imagine one day you have a problem. Yeah? And you call up your friend. And you say, buddy, how you doing? He says, bro, I have a crazy problem. So you have two friends. One friend, you call him up. He says, oh, really? Yeah, could you help me? He says, oh, one second. I'll see. I have to see. Let me see what's the problem, and maybe I can help you. Then there's another friend where he calls you up. Bro, I have a problem. Could you help me? He says, you know I'm there for you. I will help you with any issue that you want. Which one's greater? Second, obviously. You know why? Because what's the difference between the first and the second? The first one is not crazy in love with you. Because a person that's crazy in love, a person that's crazy in love, he doesn't care what the problem is. I don't care what it is. You need my help. I will bend backwards. Even if I can't help you, I will still help you. You understand? You understand what I'm trying to say or no? How many people, when they were engaged, if you get engaged, you see that you literally bend backwards for your fiancé like there's no tomorrow. She can give you a text or call, honey, I'm not feeling well. I need a slurpee from seven. I don't know what. She needs a, a bottle of Coke. Three o'clock in the morning, she needs a bottle of Coke. Whatever it is, I got you. The guy is sleeping. He gets it. Goes. Why? Because he's so crazy in love 
that he's really not even thinking properly. He could just call up and say, listen, you need the Coke now? Come on, just drink, drink some water in the house. You need a Coke now? Come on. He could really just do that. But he's crazy in love with this girl. He's so in love that he doesn't even think properly, and he's ready to go beyond. He's ready to bend backwards, no problem. Listen, what happens after marriage is something else. You know, after you got married, <laughs> your wife, your wife, yeah, she knows you. Oh, I need a Coke. Yeah, get out of here. Go get a Coke. Go, go get your own Coke. What do you mean? I thought we were engaged. You used to hold the door. You used to hold the door for me. You were such a gentleman. You used to, you used to take care of me. I would call you three o'clock. You'd get me the Coke. What happened now? You, you, you get my point? You know, my point is trying to explain that when people are crazy in love, they just don't think. And they say, you know what? The heck with it. What do you want? Whatever you want. I got you. I got you. I got you. Your friends call you. Oh, he needs a favor. Oh, uh, can you help? It depends what it is. It depends what I'm saying. It depends what it is. No, it doesn't depend what it is. Your friend calls you up. I need help. Okay, I got you. That's it. No, no questions asked. Now what do you need? First say, I, I, I'll help you. No, of course I'm going to help you. Now, what do you need? You understand, what you understand the difference between the two friends? What's the difference? Because a person that's crazy in love with someone doesn't care what it is to get help for this person. What he's saying in his mind, he's saying is, I don't care what I have to do. I'll help you, no problem. I don't care. Now, what do you need? You know, there's a big difference between the two. And that's exactly what Hashem was doing. Hashem was seeing which nation is going to be crazy in love with me. You, first nation. What is it? You're, you're already out. You're already out. You're already out. What is it? That's what you asked me. What does it say in the Torah? So I'm just talking to you because I'm just being nice. I don't want to just shut the door on you. So I'll just say it says like this. But you're ready, they were already out from the first question that they asked. You're telling me what is it? That's what you ask, what is it? God is coming you with a gift. I'm giving you a gift. God is saying I have the best gift. One of the that do you know how many thousands of years the Torah was even before the creation of the world? You know, the Torah was created even before Gan Eden, even before Gehinnam, even before everything. It was created. Hashem gave it many years later, many, many years later. But the Rosh, everybody says, everybody knows this, that it was created before, before, before the world was even created. And Hashem looked in the Torah, and then He created the world. So the Torah was already there. And now God's going around saying, I have a gift. You have a gift? All right, what is the gift? Before we take it, what is it? What is it? What do you mean, what is it? Hashem is talking to you. You, 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 you have a, a, a thought process to even think maybe it's a bad gift. You're right. What is it? You ask, what is it? No, 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 no. You, you're out. When it came to the Jewish people, they were so crazy in love that all they said, yeah, no, we'll take it. We'll do everything. It's, yeah, we'll, we'll do everything it says in it. Oh, by the way, what does it say in it? We'll do everything. Why? Because they were sick in love. And that's what we have to feel towards Hashem. You know, I was reading today. You ever hear of Avram Kamonovich? Avram Kamonovich was from the Mir Yeshiva. Now, if you read about him, you will see a man of greatness. They just came out with a book with him, a sefer about Avram Kamonovich in English. It's so good. What happened was, he was very close to Hafez Chaim. Very close to Hafez Chaim. And it says a story over there how the Hafez Chaim was one time staying by Rav Avram Kamenovich's house. And his son writes that I was seven years old, right? 
I was seven years old. Rav Kamanovich's son is writing this. I was seven years old and I could testify that I saw the Hafez Chaim when he was in my house. Before he went to bed, I actually took my ear and listened inside what he was talking in his room. What was he talking? You know, you know, what, he, you know what he wrote? He wrote, he was talking to Hashem like a person speaks to his like best friend, like, like, like everything and anything. He just talked to Hashem, talked to Hashem, just talking to Hashem. Just talking. Hashem, you know, we did this uh, and we did this. I hope that I did was right over there and this and that. Whatever it was, whatever he was saying. But he was talking to Hashem like a real conversation. It wasn't just the Amidah. It's not just the Amidah. We talk to God. We talk to God 24-7. Any single time you want, you need, He's right there. And guess what? And guess what? He was so in love. Chavetz Chaim was so in love with Hashem that he couldn't stop talking to Him. He couldn't stop talking to him. He couldn't stop talking to him. He said, Hashem, this, that, that, that. Before he went to sleep, he had a whole conversation. Wow. Because wow. his love was beyond his body. Bodily means it was just beyond. And guess what? How does a person achieve that? How does a person achieve that greatness? That you, 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 you're, you're sickly in love with someone that you, 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 you can't and, and you're ready to go <laughs> wild over them. How? Anybody can tell me? Maybe tell me. I'm asking. I, I don't know. How do you feel in love with... How could you feel in love with Hashem? How, how do you feel in love with God? Like, for, how? What, what should I do? Tell me, what should I do? How do I get to the level I'm sickly in love with Hashem? How? You can tell me? No, seriously. Anybody? Torah. Torah. Okay. I hear that. He's saying, the more Torah you learn... I hear that, by the way. I want, I want, I want, I want to tell you two answers. I'll answer that. And I'm going to tell you another answer. First, I'll start with the Torah. You know, it says, when you're praying, you're talking to Hashem. And when you're learning, Hashem's talking to you. You ever hear that line? Because what the words of the Torah is, it's it's Devar Hashem. It's Hashem. Right there, you're learning Hashem. You're putting Hashem in your body, in your being. Hashem is the, the words of the Torah. You become so much in love with Hashem by just learning the Torah. More and more and more and more, you get connected. Yes, that's very, very important. And that's a great way. I'm going to tell you another trick, though. One, one more other trick. You ready? And that is, if you think in your life, just think, what favors God did for you from the day you were born till today, you really contemplate. I'm not talking about, no, but I really did it. And nah, 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 nah. I'm talking about real, real. He gave you breath. He gave you to live all these years. The fact that you're alive, it's the coolest thing. Did you ever feel your fingers? You ever close your eyes? Isn't it cool? You breathe. Wow. It's, it's like a cool thing to just to be alive. Forget everything. I know people that tell me I have stress, I have this, I have that. Forget everything for a second. Right? Isn't it just fun to be alive? It's fun. It's 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 awesome. It's like it's like I'm alive. Hello, I can move. Hello, I can see. You know, I can move my head. I go. Oh, I can put my uh, shirt. I can put my thing. Wow, it's crazy. God gave you that gift. Don't you own your whole entire life just for that? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you realize all the gifts that He gives you every single day? Every single day. You know, every single day you make brachot every day. You know, we get Hashem. Thank you that I can see. Pokeach Ivrim. Thank you that I can move my back. Matira Surim. Zokef Kivufin. Right? Malbi Shalim. Thank you that I can get dressed. What do you mean? Just say it one time. Why do I have to say it every day? 
Why do I have to say it every single day? I wake up in the morning, I have to say, thank you, Hashem, for my clothes. Baruch Malbish Arumim, that you clothe the naked. What do I have to say? I'll say it one time. Hashem, thank you, Hashem, for clothing the naked. Azla Baruch finished. Say it once in your life, and that's it, Kalas. The answer is, is because Hashem is doing to you every single day. One day, tomorrow morning, Hashem decides in Shamayim, I don't want to give you clothes to wear. What do you mean? How, what do you mean? Rabbi, come on. You know, how many, you know how many clothes I have in my closet? What do you mean? Tomorrow I'm not going to be able to wear my clothes? Yeah, guess what? Imagine Hashem, because every day Hashem is giving you clothes to wear. But what do you mean? Rabbi, come on, I have so many clothes. How's it going? You know what happened? One time they came to Abbas Haim, and one guy was so wealthy, and he came to Abbas Haim and said, Abbas Haim, I want you to answer me this question. So what's the question? He says, I am so wealthy. And you're saying Hashem's in control, and I believe you. And I believe you. But this question has been bothering me. And Hashem, you said that he could take the money away in two seconds and this. He says, do you know how many businesses I have? I have businesses around the world. If London goes down, I have in America. If America goes down, I have in, 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 in different places in, in Middle East. If the Middle East goes down, I have in... And he's naming every single place in the world where he has a factory, and he has a company, and he has real estate, and he has everything that whatever you could think of that could go wrong, he'll always have a backup that will always have money. And he was a very, 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 very wealthy, wealthy guy. So he tells the team, I don't want to question you, but just answer me. You're telling me tomorrow morning a person could wake up with nothing in his, nothing in his bank account. Tell me, how could that be? I have, I have banks all over the world. I have businesses all over the world. I have money distributed all over the world. So the first thing he mentioned him like this. You know, Hashem, sometimes he could take the person away from the money. You get what that means or no? You get what that means? He won't wake up. Tomorrow morning, the guy won't wake up. Hashem could take the person away from the money. You, under, you understand what we're saying here? So therefore, don't be a wise guy with Hashem. And, what's the matter? What's the matter, Mike? Don't be a wise guy with Hashem and believe 100% that every single day and every single second He is giving you constantly, constantly, constantly. And guess what? That's why every day when you wake up, you got to make another baracha. Oh, wow, I could see again. Oh, wow, I could get dressed again. Oh, wow, I could, I could breathe again. Oh, wow, I could do this again. Why? Because the end of the day, Hashem did that. You don't have a, you don't have a, a guarantee tomorrow morning you're going to wake up. You have a guarantee. Everybody over here has a guarantee tomorrow morning we'll wake up. Who said that? You think that, because well, look, Rabbi, what's the chances of not waking up? Everybody wakes up in the morning. Okay, you have once in a, once in a while, you know, a uh, guy dies in his sleep. Okay, but usually everybody wakes up in the morning. <laughs> Guess what? The way we're supposed to think is that Hashem gave me life the next morning. Because guess what? What's the first thing that comes out of our mouth? That's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Now, some people, they, they, they do, do other things. They scream, oh, honey, just leave me alone already, whatever it is. But other people, right? The first thing that comes out of your mouth is what? Thank you, God, that you gave me back to life. Why? I know. No, because it's not guaranteed. And therefore, when a person starts realizing in his life what God blessed him with, you know, you never hear that thing that, that people always uh, 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 look at the cup, you know, half full or half empty. You know what that is? It's negativity in the brain. You know what negativity in the brain is? I'll give you an example. I have a, we have a class on Torah anytime. It's called garlic in the head. So what does it mean garlic in the head? And it's such a beautiful thing because it's really garlic in the head. You ready? Like this. There was one time a guy, he 
he, uh, he was tasting some chocolates. And everything that he would taste would taste like, uh, like garlic. And, and he came home to his wife. He's eating chicken. He's tasting garlic. He says, honey, in the chicken you put so much garlic. He says, no, I didn't put no garlic. He, he takes this. Uh, it tastes like garlic. He's tasting ice cream. It tastes like garlic. He's like, what is this? So finally he's brushing te his teeth that night. And he finds a garlic stuck in his tooth. He takes it out. And then he throws it out. Then he starts eating. He says, oh, everything's, everything's normal now. The only reason why everything tasted so bad was because he had garlic stuck in his tooth. This is the same thing in life, by the way. People have garlic stuck in their head. And everything they look at is always negative. Always negative. They always have a complaint. They always have something to say. And you know people like that. And I'm sure in your life, you know people like that. They, they took everything that looks such a blessing, they can make it into klala. Oh, nah, who said? What are you talking? Everything is negative. You understand? He comes home to his wife. His wife made string beans, a vegetable, a chicken, and, uh, and she forgot, uh, what did she forget? She forgot the salad. I'm giving an example, forgot the salad. So, so instead of looking at his wife made a, a gorgeous uh, a meal with string beans and chicken, what does he tell his wife? Honey, you don't make salad? I understand what's wrong with you. I understand what's wrong with you. You don't make salad? What's wrong with you? Honey, I made the chicken. I made the string beans. You don't say, honey, wow, you know, you made your chicken, you made string beans. Wow, it's great. Oh, by the way, where's the salad? You don't do that. You go straight for the kill, you know, like kill, yeah. Where's the salad? Because why? In his brain, he has a chip. It's called a negative chip that automatically he kills it. He always sees everything negative. Always. His business, he sees his business, he was, he was clocking in, let's say, 100 grand a year. Well, I'm giving an example, 200 grand a year. All of a sudden, he's clocking in for the last five years, 150. And he's bugging out and there's that. Oh, look at the positive side. Look at the positive side. You, you're okay, you make 150 grand a year. What are you saying? Oh, my God. Ah, it's something. I'm losing 50 grand. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't say, he doesn't say I'm making 150 grand. He says I'm losing 50,000 a year. He tells his friends, what are you doing? I'm losing $50,000 a year. My business is slow. I don't have no business. What do you mean you're losing business? You have 150 grand. It's great. You don't, look at the, you don't look at the positive that you're getting 150. What are you looking at? You look at the negative that I'm losing 50 grand a year because I was making 200, so I'm losing $50,000 a year. Hello. But look at the beracha that God gave you. I know people, they only have girls. They want boys. They only have girls. All right? They only have girls. That's what they have. So, but at the end of the day, they have children from Hashem. Thank God for what you have. Thank Hashem for what you have there. And you know what? Go crazy about it. Make a party about it. Go wild about it. You know what Hashem gave me? Don't always look at the negative, the negative, the negative. You're knocking, you're knocking, you're knocking, you're knocking. People don't like that, by the way. A lot of people, people don't realize that just one taking out the garlic out of their brain, they'll live such a happy life. They'll live such a happy life. And guess what you can do? You, you test on yourself, by the way. You can test it on yourself. Think, am I thinking about the negative or do I look at the positive? If you look at the positive, by the way, you're training your life to be a happy life. Because it's not negative anymore. It's not negative anymore. At least I have this. At least I have that. You know, somebody once said, you know, you want, you want to be happy? Yeah. He says, okay, you want to really be happy? Okay, go look at the person that doesn't have what you have. And you'll be much happier. Oh, at least, you know, when people look, oh, look at that guy. What do we say? You know what we say in the Amidah? In the Alem Bashamayim Ma'al. 
What does that mean? Anybody know? What does it mean? Mimal. In Shamaim? Mimal is up, high. In the ground, go low. What does that mean? It says there's two types of people. When you're, when you're doing your spirituality, right, you always look to look at the other person to get better. Oh, wow, this guy's doing amazing. But, oh, man, you know what? I want to I wanna try to also, also do like he's doing. He's going to shoot every single day. I want to do the same thing. So you're always looking to strive more and more. So you're always looking at the guy who's doing more spiritual than you. Wow, he's doing this. Wow, I want to do that. He's doing this. Wow, I want to do that. You strive higher and higher. But then you have the guy who's Allah, he's, now he's doing mundane physical matters. With your physical matters, don't look at the guy that's doing better, you, better than you physically. If a guy's making more money than you, oh, look at that guy, he has this, and he has that car, and he has that house, and he has this, and he has that, because that's going to just depress you. Oh, I wish I had that, I wish I had that, I wish I had that, I wish I had that. What do you do? You go to the other guy that doesn't have that. Oh, Baruch Hashem, I have this. He doesn't have it. Baruch Hashem, thank you, Hashem, I have this. You know, you think in your head, oh, Baruch Hashem, I have this. Okay, Baruch Hashem, I have that. You're always looking at the other person saying, oh, Baruch Hashem, I have, I have, I have, I have, I have. So you're never being depressed. You understand what I'm just saying? You hear, you hear, you hear what I'm saying or not? Clear? You, you automatically be happy. You automatically be happy. We're not telling you, oh, look at the other guy, look at his belt. I'm not trying to put somebody else down. Put yourself up. You're not going to go to the guy, oh, by the way, I have more than you because you don't have what I have. Any, uh, no, you don't do that. But to make it to yourself in your own brain. And guess what? You always be happier and happier and happier. And guess what? And guess what? When you start recognizing that and you have a positive mindset in your brain, automatically you look at the good that God gave you and you say to yourself, Yishtabach Shemo La'ad, I'm sickly in love with you. What do you want me to do? Talvi. I don't care what it is. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care if I have to jump from it to the moon. That's what you want to do. I'll jump from it to the moon. I don't care. I'll do it. How? I don't care how. That's not the point right now. The point is, I am ready to do everything for Hashem. And guess what? And I'm going to conclude with this last point. Guess what? Torah is so important. Torah is so important that it says, there was once a Rabbach Ben Leibowitz. Rabbach Ben, the holy Rabbach, Rabbach Ben Leibowitz. And one time he was at a meeting, a rabbi's meeting. And one rabbi got up and said the following, Torah is like oxygen. Just like oxygen, you can't breathe. So too, without Torah learning, you can't breathe, you can't live. That's what he said. So Abog Beis said, stop. Not true. Not true. So what do you mean, rabbi was saying something beautiful. Torah is like oxygen. Just like you can't breathe without oxygen, you can't live without oxygen, so too a person, he can't live what? He can live without the Torah. What's wrong with that? He says, you're wrong. You know why? He says, why? He said, because oxygen makes a person alive. Correct? Oxygen is something that you need to keep living. He said, Torah is the actual life. It's not something where you need to keep living. It is life itself. It is the life. It's not something that I need to live. That is life. You understand what I just, you understand that the greatness of what that line was, Rabbi? You understood it or no? It's a beautiful line. He's saying it's, it's not oxygen. Oxygen is something to stay alive. No, it's life itself. If a person doesn't have learning to that, he doesn't have life. And guess what? Papus Ben Yehuda. You ever hear of Papus Ben Yehuda? I'm going to end off with this last story. Amazing story. 
before Rabbi Akiva is dying, sleep. Papu's Ben Yehuda gets up there and, 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 and he tells Rabbi Akiva, he sees Rabbi Akiva and says to Rabbi Akiva, he says, what are you doing? And he says, he's gathering people and he's learning Torah with them. Gathering people, learning Torah with them. Gathering people, learning Torah. He says, what are you doing? He says, what do you mean? I'm teaching Torah. He says, no, no, you're not understanding. You didn't hear the government, the Roman government. They said anybody who learns Torah, anybody who, who teaches Torah, that's it. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's a goner and this and that gets killed. You didn't hear that? You know what he answers him? You know what he answers? He does like this. He says, listen, imagine there's fish in the water. And imagine that the fish are running around in the water and there's a fox. The fox comes over to the fish. Fishy, fishy, little fishy, 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 fishy. He says, yeah. He says, come out. Come out. Why are you staying there? He says, what? why are we running? Because there's, there's, uh, there's human beings. They're taking their nets. You know, the nets. They're trapping us with the nets. So therefore, we're running away from the net. So you know what he says? Come outside and I'll protect you. Come on the dry land and I'll protect you. He says, the, the fish tell the fox, they call you a smart guy. You don't look smart, the fox. He says, why? He says, because look at you. Look at you. Over here, we have life when we're in the water. If we leave the water, we're for sure going to die. At least over here, we, we're in the water. We have a chance to live. He tells Rabbi Akiva, says to Papus, that's the same thing over here. Torah is like fish in the water. That's how we live. That's how we live. It's like fish in the water. That's how we live. And therefore, what do you want us to do? Stop Torah? If we stop Torah, we automatically die. Because the Torah says, Kihem, we say every day for Adbi. This is our life and this is our longevity. So therefore, without Torah, we can't live anyway. So it's a, you want us to get out of learning Torah? It's like the fish going out of the, uh, on, 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 out of the water. We're for sure going to die. At least over here, as we're learning Torah, we can have a chance to get saved. You understand that, Botai? And this is the great lesson we have to know. And guess what? He was so in love with Hashem, Rabbi Akiva, that it says... The day that he died, the day that he died, the Romans, they started scraping his skin with, with, what? With, 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 with metal hot things, scraping his skin off his body. You know how painful that is? You know how painful that is? And they tell him, Rabbi, they tell him, Rabbi. And what are you doing? He's saying, Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael. What are you doing? What are you, how can you do? How can you say Shema Yisrael? You know what he said? I'll tell you what he said. He said, all my life, all my life. You know what he was doing every time he was saying Shema? When he got up to Hashem Elokecha, love God. With all your heart. What's of Chol Nafshecha? With all your, with all your, with all your Neshama, with all your soul. Even if they take away your soul, you have to love God. He says, you know what, every time I was saying Shema, I always had Kavanah. I love you, Hashem, so much that even on the day of death and you will pull away the soul, I will still love you. Even the day of death, that's how sickly in love with you. And that's why Rabbi Giva said, I trained myself so much to be sickly in love with God that the day of death with so much torture, I can't leave my thoughts on Hashem. That's why he said Shema. Rabotai, we have to remember how do we love God so much? Of course, learning Torah. But another way 
is giving the good that he always gives. And don't say that he does. No, me, no, no. He gives everybody good. There's no question about it. You can see good in your life. Take away the garlic out of your brain and look at the positive that God gave you. Every single blessing that you have. And you can make lists and lists and lists and lists and lists. I told you this many times. I took my daughter once. She's a six, when she was six years old. We walked out on a Friday night. She said, Daddy, can we take a Shabbat walk? I said, Shabbat walk on one condition. I'm dead tired. I really don't want to walk, but I'll make a condition with you. We're going to walk from here until you stop saying thank you to Hashem. The second you say thank you, she, she, she was walking. She's saying, thank you, Hashem, that I have eyes. Thank you, Hashem, that I have nose. Thank you, Hashem, that I have this. Thank you, Hashem, that I have that. Thank you, Hashem, for this, Baracha. Thank you, Hashem, for this. Thank you, Hashem, for that. We walked maybe two full blocks, maybe seven and a half minutes. We're walking together. A six-year-old at the age of six saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, for seven and a half minutes straight. Imagine a guy who's in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, in their 80s, in their 90s. This crazy wild thing, Yahushim. The older you get, the more in love with God you have to be. Think about the Barachot. Think about the blessings that he gave you. Every single thing. Oh, no. The one thing that goes wrong. Oh, yeah, but now well, my back is hurting, Rabbi. I'm 90 years old and my back is hurting. I understand you. For 90, you're alive at 90? You know how many people died before 90? At least you're alive. Okay, your back is hurting. I'm sure it hurts. I'm sure it's very painful. But at least you're alive. And all your friends passed away much earlier than you. So, I understand you. Because why? Because the person, when he was young, he didn't train his brain. Because the whole time he's thinking negative, 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 negative. So the guy is 90. He's already, uh, he's already with like one cane. And he's complaining, oh, my knee, oh, my foot, oh, my head, oh, my eye, oh, my head, oh, my that, oh, my that. I don't understand you. Hashem, I'm 90 years old and I'm still kicking. You're right, but I'm still kicking. I'm still alive. Think about the positive. Think about the positive. And guess what? The more older you get, the more in love with Hashem you are. I'm such, I'm so in love with him. I love him. I love him. What are you doing? I remember one guy in Yeshiva, he would walk around. I love you, Hashem, random. People thought he was nuts. Why nuts? He's a great, smart guy. He used to scream out, I love you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. I just love you. I love you. What do you love him? He gives me so much. He keeps on giving me. I don't, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. He keeps on giving me and giving me and giving me. Okay, once in a while, there's a bumpy road here and there. Big deal! Big deal! For all the good that he's giving you for that little bump, you're going to go crazy? Come on. Grow up. Grow up. Look at the good. Look at the good. Look at the good. And you'll see automatically. When you come into that Shavuot this year and you're sitting there and you're getting the Matan Torah, says, Hashem, I'm sickly in love with you because you do everything. And just like they said that day when they said, Naseh Nishma, you remember that day? When you're hearing the Torah on Shavuot, when the Baal Korea is reading the Torah, think, just like they said, Naseh Nishma, I will also say, Naseh Nishma. I'm so in love with you, God, that whatever you want this year, I'm accepting upon myself. I'll bend backwards for you, Hashem. And that's the Kavanah you have to have when the when the Baal Kureh is reading the Torah, especially when he's reading the Ten Commandments, and you're thinking, oh, what did they say I'll do this day? They said, nah, because they were sickly in love with God. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in love with you so much, Hashem, because I'm going to remember all the blessings that you gave me from the day I was born until now, and you keep on giving me and giving me and giving me. I will do anything for you. This year I'm accepting upon myself the Torah, and everything that's in it, I will keep. Love you, love you.